Well, listen, tell your neighbor, wait on the Lord, friend. And you may be seated. Hey, listen, thrilled that you're here today. I'm really glad to be with you. My wife and I were down with a flu for the whole week, and we've decided we got it from my grandson. Yeah, in Mississippi, we were there for Christmas, and it's just hard when he's trying to give you his Nana, and he eats a bite, and, and you know, it's just hard to say, no, I don't think so. But uh, we got it for about a week, but we're better. But I'll tell you a, a little lesson that I learned. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but everything to do with kids. Make sure you don't run out of the chocolate snacks that they like. But I'm going to show you a little video, but I want you to watch the little guy. He's one year old, and he knows how in sign language how to say more. Take, take a little peek. Mama. That's not the sign for more. There you go. Mama. Mama. <laughs> Already? <laughs> Yeah. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Mm it's all gone. All done. Mhm. 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 The older you get, the quicker life goes. Well, you say the days are long, but the years are short. And I want to make sure that in my life and hopefully in your life that we will be on a spiritual track that's going to lead us to the place God wants us to go. Going to church is a great thing, a necessary and important thing. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves. But there's something else that I think is more important in your relationship with God, and that is having a daily time with God. And I want to encourage you as you start this new year, make it a point every day to start reading with reading your Bible and prayer. Uh, I, I've been a Christian 40 years. I'm not perfect, but I have never turned my back on God, never walked away, have a degree of consistency in my life. It's because I spend time with God each morning. Uh, I, I can't do it at night. Uh, when my head hits the pillow, I'm ready to go night-night. Are, are you with me today? But it's in the morning. And we've got a little Bible app. Uh, they'll show you a picture of, if you don't use a, a smartphone, there's a, a paper copy in the back of the chair, but you can see every day we read two chapters of the Bible, Proverbs 4 and Philippians 4, it just kind of helps keep you going. If you can't read two chapters, read one. If you miss a day, forget it, next day pick it up. But let me encourage you, set aside in your heart today, I'm going to read my Bible every day, I'm going to spend time with God. And something else that's brand new that we're going to try, that I know will help you, is we're encouraging everyone to find a prayer partner. Now, ideally, someone other than your husband or wife, but someone that you can text. We'll start this next week, but you can be thinking about it. Someone after you've read your Bible time that you can just send a short text for prayer. And I think it might create a good, wholesome uh, uh, strength in your spiritual life as well. I've already got my prayer partner, so uh, I hope you'll get one as well. Uh, we're going to start this morning with a brand new series, Matthew 25. If you've got your Bible, you want to turn there. It's called From Success to Significance. And I want to uh, introduce to you a testimony by a woman. Her name is Penny Hiller. She has been a missionary in our church for about 20 years. And I want you to listen to the, for those words, success and significance, as she tells her story. 
Hi, I'm Penny Hiller. I came to Church on the Rock in 1992 in great personal turmoil and also in my workplace. But God did some miraculous things in my life. In a couple of years, I had my teaching certificate, my master's degree. I was teaching English as a second language in elementary schools here in Texarkana. I was teaching adult education um, at night, and I was also going on every COTR mission trip. Mission trips? Why, you ask? Well, to be honest with you, originally it was because of the travel and the adventure of it all. But by the second trip, God had put a deep desire in my heart to go full-time in missions. And I said, yes. He also asked me if I would be patient with him. Can you imagine God asking you to be patient and give him time to train me? And I said, yes. So several years later, I was feeling quite successful teaching English as a second language. I had also been promoted to an ESL trainer, and I, I was really loving my life. But I began to feel that same urge in my heart, deep desire that God was putting in my heart to go on the mission field at that time. And I said, yes. I went to my supervisor expecting great resistance, but instead I got these most delightful words. She said, you're trading success for significance. Wow, I never looked at it like that. So let's fast forward 19 years and let me brag on God. He has led me to, mm, I think about 23 countries and I have trained people from over 40 countries to teach English as a second language using Bible materials. How awesome is that? But God has done even more than that. He's taken those seeds of yes that I have given him and he has multiplied this so that there are people teaching English as a second language using Bible-based materials in over 65 countries on six continents that I know of. I can't help but think back on those words that my supervisor said, you're trading success for significance. I suggest, highly recommend that you do the same. Say yes to those urgings in your heart that God is putting in there and he will take you to significance. Say yes to God. Wow, 65 nations of the world a little girl, a little lady from Texarkana, USA, has left a mark on the world for Christ. This is what I mean by significance. Everyone in this room wants their life to have meaning beyond just the everyday things we do. We want our life to mean something. We don't want to just have fun, pay taxes, get a house, get a car, re uh, retire and die. I mean, there's something more to life than that. And if I could contrast these two words this morning, success and significance... Success, by definition, simply means to accomplish and achieve. Everybody does it. The guy that's going to his Cooper Tire, making tires, if his goal is 200, he's, he's, he's succeeded when he's reached his goal. Uh, if you're in college, you get your degree, you've succeeded. If you're an athlete, you score the touchdown, it's success. But success also means to prosper, to become wealthy. And here's a, a nuance of it that caught my attention. It is to succeed in accordance with one's desires. And this is where I think success can become self-centered for me and all about me, whereas significance means things we accomplish for God that have eternal value. Success is not an evil thing. I pray that all of us would be successful in life. The Bible beckons us towards, towards success, but we have to make choices towards significance, that is, living a life using our time, treasure, and talent to serve the Lord 
and in so doing make an eternal difference in the world. Success, by and large, is temporary. Uh, I, I remember when I was a boy, I, I was athletic. Uh, I, I'm sure you, you know who won the uh, punt, pass, and kick competition in Memphis, Tennessee in 1963, don't you? It was a big deal. It was me. And I got this trophy, and it's got a football bar on it and everything. And I found it in a box that my mom finally shoved my way. You know, when you leave home, mom starts giving you things. And, and it usually takes 20 years to get all the stuff out. Well, I found that trophy. That's the way life is. So much of what we do, we give ourselves towards it. And once we get it, it ends up in a box. Whether it's our hobbies, whether it's our job, or whatever the case is. And like things that are not bad, but things that could be better if it added an element of significance because we've attached it to serving the Lord. And let me illustrate it with two professional athletes. Uh, one I'm going to show in a quick video. His, uh, his name is a Cam Newton, and he is quite the athlete. Uh, let's see Cam make a touchdown here and see what happens. Going to reach over, and it oh, is he got touchdown. it. So add another to that list for Cam Newton. I'd say that's success. He feels good about himself. 54 is back to get him. And Avery Williamson had had enough. All right. It's a frustrating day for the Tennessee That's Titans. Enough. And they feel like the trip they That's enough. All right. Let me, let's look at, look at Dallas quarterback. Look at Dak. Dak Prescott. Now, both are athletes. Both are successful. Listen, if I could run like the Cam guy, I'd probably dance too. But I can't. But I do know this. For Cam, it seemed like it was all about him and for him. But for Dak, his mother, I read this yesterday, his mother taught him about faith. And before every game, he tapes one of his wrists and he writes the word faith on there. And after he gets out, he's going to have it tattooed on his, on his arm as well. But that little finger to heaven said something to more people than I'll ever talk to face to face in my life. More people have heard him say that there is a God and God is the one that's responsible for my success. So what I want you to see about significance is whatever we do, our hobbies, our sports, our jobs, uh, uh, coaching the ball team, whatever it is, it can be a platform to bring significance by serving the Lord and sharing Christ and letting people know that Jesus loves them. Well, this is what I'm talking about with this word significance. Um, significance is, is God-centered and it's eternal. And we're going to live our life in such a way that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for our life. And on that day, my punt passing kick trophy won't do any good. My turkey tails and beards in my room won't do any good. But what I've done for Christ, uh, the resources, the money that I've given, uh, the sacrifices that I've made, the people I've prayed for, the groups that I've led, it, it, whatever I have done to foster the kingdom of God will bring eternal reward to us. And this is what I want you to think about as we go into this new year. What am I doing for my, in my life that is geared just towards success that's limited to me? And what am I doing that is significant, produces eternal significance in, pe in people's lives? You say, well, I, I, I'm not going to be a missionary like Penny. Most of us won't. Most of us won't quit our jobs. But I guarantee you this, many of us are in positions in life 
where, for example, whether someone comes in your office, if it's a medical office, uh, a child approaches you at school, or you stop someone as a highway patrolman, it just might be possible that you could pray with that person after you've given them a ticket or after you've done whatever. Are you with me today? Sure. All I'm saying is don't see your, 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 your work-a-day life and your hobbies separate from your spiritual life, but let all of life give us opportunities to proclaim the gospel and to serve the Lord because it brings eternal significance. Now, this, uh, today, my, my message is entitled, From Success to Significance. And I want to begin with a parable called the Parable of the Talents. And then I'll show you three very practical ways how we serve the Lord in just the course of our life. But let's begin in Matthew chapter 25, this Parable of the Talents, a glimpse into eternity. A parable is a story about everyday events to convey spiritual truth. Jesus would talk about farming. He'd talk about all sorts of things that they could relate to. And he would use that natural example to convey eternal truth. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, if you looked in your Bible, you would see there's three different sections there. It's all about eternity. Two parables, one the parable of the, of the virgins, five prepared, five unprepared. Then the parable of the talents. And then what life is going to be like in heaven one day. Remember, Jesus will say, I was hungry and you fed me naked and you, thir- uh, uh, you, you put clothes on me. Whatever you did to the least of these, that is, you served me, you found significance. So l- let's read this together. Matthew 25, 14, when it says, The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. Now let me tell you what these people represent. First of all, the man going on a journey is Jesus. His journey is when he left earth. Remember, he died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's coming back one day. So Jesus is the man that goes on a journey, and he calls his servants. That's all of us. And he entrusted his wealth to them. Now, specifically, this parable is about money and their investment of it or lack thereof. But more broadly, in a spiritual way, it's about what we're doing with our time, treasure, and talent for the kingdom of God. It's about what I'm doing with what God gave me. Is it just for me, or is it for him? Verse 15, to one man he gave five bags of gold. Now, your traditional translators call it a talent. A talent was literally a measurement. It could be between 58 and 80 pounds. So this is like you know a big bag of cement at Lowe's. So you've got this bags of cement full of money, You're going to make an investment. Notice what it says. He gave to each according to his ability. There was a time in my life where I used to try to compare myself to other Christian leaders. Uh, I wanted to be like the church's founder. Then I wanted to be like the successor. Then I wanted to be like somebody on TV. And finally, I came to grips with, you know what? God didn't make me them. He made me me. And I'm going to be the best me that I can. And that's what you are. You're not me, but you're not supposed to be me. You're just supposed to be you And be the best you you can be at whatever stage of life you're in for the Lord. So, it's according to ability. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. In other words, it's a Christian who uses their time, their treasure, their talents to invest in the kingdom of God to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, The man who did two did the same. But the man who received one, and there's the guy that wastes their talent. This is the person that's only focused on themselves. They dug a hole and hid it in the ground. Well, after a long time, the master returns and settles accounts. How many know Jesus is coming back one day? You better be ready. 
That's what was said in the book of Acts. After he ascended to heaven, those angels said, this same Jesus is coming in the same manner. So Jesus is coming to settle accounts, which is what? It's judgment. And I don't mean just judgment of going to hell, but I mean he's going to evaluate our lives. We will determine what we do in heaven. There are jobs in heaven. There is work to do in heaven by what we do on earth. And don't say it doesn't matter because it does matter. Well, the man who received five bags of gold uh, brought five more. And the master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. I have gained five more. And what did his master say? Well done. Now, how many say that's what I want to hear from Jesus? Absolutely. Well done, good and faithful servant. servant. Because serving the Lord is the way to significance. You've been faithful with a few things. You're going to be in charge of many. And notice the happiness of Jesus. Come and share your master's happiness. Sure. It's kind of like the dad. When the dad says a kid's off to school, teenage boy, said, son, I want that grass cut. When I get home, I'll be home in six. Dad's driving up. He hadn't forgotten. And how many know dad feels good when he sees cut grass on the sidewalk? Come on. Yeah. Well, dad is joyful because the child has done what he was asked to do. Well, verse 22, same thing happened. Man with two bags of gold made two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share my happiness. So as we begin this uh, parable, I want you to see, number one, is not all Christians are given the same gifts. Not all people are allowed to earn the same amounts of money. Not all of us have the same talents and skills and intellectual ability. But yet, God wants all of us to do the best with what we've been given. Uh, there's a, if I could give you an illustration, one of our, our ladies in our church, uh, Anissa Rashad, or Rashid, just went to Haiti. Now, single mom, she was a foster mom, and she's ended up collecting five kids along the way. They're in Haiti right now. That's what she's called to do. But a number of years ago, she took a foster child that was severely disabled, uh, the type of child that will never engage society. I mean, just required total help. And lo and behold, there was a nurse that had not been able to have a child, but had been trained and found her joy in working with kids that had this type of disability. And she adopted that little baby. I couldn't do, I couldn't do that for a day. I don't have it. But in God's eyes, what I do is no different than what she does. God cares about everybody, and she had talents, gifts, and abilities. But you know what she did? She could have said no. She could have said, no, I won't be able to go as many places, have the freedoms, you know, do all the things. But she felt it was the will of God, so she said yes to it, and she invested this talent in the kingdom of God. And one day the Lord's going to say, well done. Yeah. So don't ever get hung up because you're not what somebody else is. Don't ever get hung up because you didn't go to Bible school or, or you're not as smart as somebody or you're not as talented, whatever the case is. Uh, but when we are good stewards of our time, our treasure, and our talent, then God will reward us. Clearly, Jesus one day will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but how many can say that's the day that I'm living for? Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. So, following this path of significance as followers of Jesus, this is where we find uh, significance. Now, look at verse 24. Here's where the story changes. The man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid. I hid your gold in the ground, which is simply the interpretation is, I didn't use what you gave me. I didn't invest it. I, I ignored it. I turned my back on it. 
I said, I'll do it a later day, another time, and he never did. So I was afraid, here is what belongs to you. But his master didn't pick up on the fear. The master said, you wicked and lazy servant. Interesting. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers that I've gotten some interest. So clearly, in wasting what God had given him, and you've heard people say this about people in the natural, what a waste of talent. Oh, I remember that old Rudy movie years ago, one of my favorite movies about the ball player that had zero ability but 110% heart. And I don't know if you remember, but there was an All-American at the end of the movie, and the coach got mad at him, kicked him, and said, if you had half the heart of, of Rudiger, you could have been an All-American. You had talent, 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 but you didn't use it. That's not what I want to do with my life. You see, everybody gets to choose what we do with what the Lord gives us. Uh, and, and one of the most practical ways is our money. Uh, years ago, I came to the understanding that I'll never have enough at Christmas. Come on, you're the same. Because once you get out there shopping, there's always something else. There's just never enough, but it is enough. So my wife and I decided early on, any monies that we're going to invest, we're going to decide our Christmas budget, and then we're going to give a portion of that away. We're going to give it to the poor. We're going to put it in missions. We're going to do something for other people rather than for us. And we lived our life that way as a steward of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on myself, but what I'm saying is your time, your talent, and your treasure has to translate into practical works of service for the Lord, and everybody gets to choose. We can live for ourselves and pursue self-centered success, but how many decoys do I really need? Are you with me? How many duck calls do I need? Because I can only put one in my mouth at a time. Well, the Bible calls this, or the world calls this self-centered success, self-actualization. And they'll even say it's the purpose of life. Put Maslow on the screen here. If you've been in psychology, I, I got a psych minor uh, many, many moons ago. And I had to earn and learn most of it because it was all man-centered and God's not in it. How can you truly understand the psychology of man if you don't factor in God is creator, God is sustainer, and his sin? I mean, I mean how, how, how can you understand man? But secularism, the religion of the modern humanist today, which is what we're educated in, puts at the top of the pyramid of life. Your main pursuit in life is what actualization? Self. God's not in the picture at all. You're living to your highest potential. Now, Football player, live to your highest potential? Absolutely. But wouldn't it have been better if somebody would have told the other guy what his mama told Dak? That whatever you do, you be the best you you can be, but just give God some credit in it. Use it as a platform for your ministry. See, here's what the Bible would put at the top of that pyramid. Put it back just a second. In Ecclesiastes 12, Solomon said this, Wisest man in the world, the end of the matter, all has been heard. He's giving advice to us, says, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. God's going to bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. So what's the difference? If that was on top of the pyramid, a simple awareness of God, that one day I will stand before him and give an account for my life, I suggest to you if this was taught to our children when our kids are growing up in impressionable ages, if we were taught them that, listen, if you kill another person, if you take their life, you will answer to God one day. Having a gun in your pocket doesn't make you a man. Listen, if you use that gun in a wrong way, you will answer to God on judgment day. It's called the fear of the Lord. But it is missing in our culture today. 
Now, let me go back to the, 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 this guy. Uh, well, one of the biggest reasons people don't serve the Lord. Now, we know this guy said he was afraid. Okay, maybe he was. I think from experience, sometimes we don't give of something, whether it's our time or, 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 or like, like my daughter Bethany, when she said she wanted to go to Africa. I didn't want her to go because I was afraid. But then I said, it's the will of the Lord. Fear can stop you. Fear can stop you from tithing. I don't believe I'll have enough. Uh, but the master said he was lazy and wicked. In other words, he'd rather watch TV seven nights a week than take one night a week or one a month and go to the homeless shelter or lead a life group or, or do something that the Lord would call him to do. But I believe one of the biggest reasons today and challenges that I face why I don't serve the Lord is worldliness. And I don't mean worldliness in the evil, bad, sinful sense. Let me read the parable of the sower. The seed of the word of God fell among thorns. People heard the word. The message was crowded out by the worries of this life. Let me say it again. The message of Scripture crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth and no fruit is produced. In other words, there's no kingdom production in their life. Now, the worries of this life. Uh, I own a home. It's a nice house. But I have, I was thinking about uh, all the insurance that I have. I have to insure my house. I have to insure two cars. Uh, I have several life insurance policies. And the guy tells me it's not enough, so I need more. I have a disability policy. No, two disability policies. So uh, uh, what else? I have a personal articles policy. I have a policy for the boat. I have an umbrella policy. And that's just to take care of stuff, some of which sits in the garage. Yeah. Oh, the world is complicated. Our hobbies are complicated. I love to duck hunt. And, and Max Prairie Wings tells me every day with an email of a sale of something that will make me a better duck hunter. Do you realize there are patterns out there? There are patterns for clothing that can make you disappear in front of the ducks. And there's not only one hat for you to wear. There are two pages of hats. There are ball caps. There are waterproof ball caps. There are caps that come over your ears. There are caps that have Gore-Tex in them. There are caps that are wide for sunny days. There are caps that have things that cover your face on it. And that's just to, before you get to your boots and your shoes. And if you're really going to be good at this, you have to change patterns every few years when technology tells you to. And by the way, the duck call page has 40 pages of duck callers on it. How about your closet? Any fashionistas here? We've all got stuff. So what I'm simply saying is these things are not wrong and bad, but they suck you in. And if you don't deliberately put God first in his ways, if you deliberately don't serve the Lord, you won't find significance because you were just a wicked heathen. You'll lose significance because you just let the world suck you in. Yeah. That was better than you. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. Verse, verse 28, I, I wish I didn't have to read this. Now the guy, he turns to the guy with the one bag that wasted what God gave him. And he said, take the bag from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. This is biblical redistribution of wealth. <laughs> the world wants to make us, socialism wants to make us all poor. Don't buy it for a minute. 
But God said, take it from the wicked, lazy, self-centered and give it to the one who faithfully served. But we're not talking about this earth. We're talking about eternity. Throw that worthless servant, worthless servant, worthless servant, the one who is successful but not to God. Throw him into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound good to me. I'm, I, I'm going for the well done. How about you? I, I'm not going to labor under the assumption that I'm just going to live my life here and that's all there is to it. I'm living for Jesus. Come on, give him a big, a big hand. Now, let me tell you three ways that we can serve the Lord, and they're very different. I'm going to call the first one serving the Lord as a way of life. The second one is serving the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads us. And the third one is just taking advantage of needs and opportunities as they arise. Very different, very deliberate. Let's look at the first one. As a Christian, we serve the Lord with our time, talent, and treasure as a way of life. In other words, there's a regularity to it. Uh, It it, it fits my life. I'm doing something that I want to do. I'm doing something that I'm good at. Uh, uh, I may be tired sometimes. Listen, I know I go to life groups on Wednesday night, and I know people are tired. I know you work and you come home, but you're, you're graced at it. You're good. You know what I mean? Cleaning your house up takes extra work if those people didn't show up. But there's a blessing in that. It's what disciples do. We serve the Lord together. But I want you to listen to uh, kind of the Hall of Fame uh, as they describe themselves. Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul, how does he describe himself? A Paul describes himself. I'm a servant of Jesus. Look at Jesus' brother James. James chapter 1. James a... I'm a servant of God and the Lord Jesus. How about Peter? 2 Peter 1. Peter a... Servant and apostle. In the book of Revelation, John the Revelator said this. The revelation from Jesus Christ, he made it known to me by sending his angel to his... So we've got the biggies. Peter, Paul, James, John... All of them, before they saw themselves as anything else in life, they were a servant of God. Uh, We serve because Jesus served. What do you mean, Pastor? We go on missions trips. Uh, We teach kids. Uh, we, uh, We got a gal, her name is Ruthie. If you've got preschool age kids, she teaches your kids on Sunday. But guess what? She comes and worships on Saturday night, but she serves the Lord on Sunday by teaching kids. You know, we serve the Lord in these deliberate ways. We, they're predictable. And in one of the neatest things about being a part of the church are all the opportunities to serve the Lord. I mean, they're everywhere. Uh, but Jesus said in Mark 10, 42, you know that the rulers of this world, think of politicians, think of people in charge, they flaunt their authority over those under them. They're the one that gets the best parking space, you know, the stretch limo and all this. But Jesus said it's going to be different with you Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your... Everyone who wants to be first must be... Ooh, this is harder. The slave of everyone else. But look at verse 45. Jesus said, Even he, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to do what? Serve Serve others. Well, listen. If serving is what Jesus did, how many know serving is what I'm going to do? Come on, give him another another hand. Um. At Church on the Rock, our mission, our mission statement, quite simply, is this. We want to connect people to, say it with me, God, friends, ministry, and the world. It's a very simple mission statement, vision, purpose, whatever you want to call it. But we make, this is how we make disciples. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Well, what is ministry? It's serving. 
what we want to do is we're not trying to recruit you in a spot, but we're trying to give you an opportunity where the, the you that God has created can find a place that fits your schedule and lifestyle to serve the Lord. That's what we're doing in church. Uh, we, have, we call people that serve in our church committed servants. We had a party for them last Christmas. 350 people were invited to that, serving in some way. Uh, you know, I'm told it takes 115 people in our kids' zone every week. 115 people wipe noses. Okay. They do more than that. But 150 people. You shape, Listen, research has been done. But the most apt time for a child to come to Christ is in the early elementary years. The older they get, the harder it gets. And you've got people up there that are loving your kids. And I hope you tell them thank you. Uh, we've got 20 young adults that are leading in powerhouse. 65 group leaders in our church. I'm talking about life groups. I'm talking about groups that go to the homeless shelter, groups that go on missions trips. I mean, they're just everywhere out there. People that have an ability to attract people and to do something for God. Well, guess what Jesus called that? Making disciples. And didn't Jesus say, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? Listen, this is, this is what we do. If you just went in the lobby or in the hallway, that little, they got a picture of that little board out there. Uh, you see that little rack of information? Well, 80% of that is just places where people are serving. They got specialty groups going on. They got men's groups, women's groups, Celebrate Recovery, Sozo Ministry, the College Ministry, the Kids Zone, the Powerhouse. Local outreaches is, is two whole pages here of people that are in our town that are doing everything from being involved with Christian Motorcycle Association to homeschoolers to Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. But in the midst of all of it, their fingers lifted to heaven. Connecting where people are. And then, of course, our life groups and all that. But I want you to look at this not just as a place where I can go and attend and learn something or do something, but see it as the vehicle of service in the life of the church. Imagine if that number doubled or tripled the people that would be impacted and affected because of Jesus Christ working us. So that's the first one. It's where I serve just pretty much you know, every week or, or once a month or, or, or every other day. It's the rhythm of daily life. Now, listen this next one. It, it, it inspires me. Acts chapter 9. Christians serve the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads us. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. There's a disciple named Ananias. He's not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's an ordinary guy like you or I. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I, here I am. So he knew the Lord. He walked with the Lord. And the Lord said, I want you to go, which is the key Bible word, go to the house of Judas and look for a man named Saul. Uh-oh, radar comes up. He said, uh, now, Lord, I know you don't know this, but uh, many people have told me this man, how much evil he's done to the saints in Jerusalem, and he's got authority of the priest to come here and arrest people too. So, by the way, I'd rather not do that, Lord, so could you find somebody else? But the Lord said to him, no, you go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine uh, uh, to carry my name before the Gentiles. This guy, Saul, would end up writing two-thirds of the New Testament and be the singular person that was at the forefront of bringing non-Jews to Christ, which is most of the world. And God has his spotlight on him, but he wants to use Ananias to get in the loop. And you know what Ananias did? The same thing every servant does. He said, yes, sir. He departed and he entered his house. 
And here, of course, the story, if you know it, Saul was knocked from his horse. He's blinded and can't see. Well, can you imagine this? Ananias goes in there and says, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me to regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I guess left hand he could see, and right hand now he's filled with the Spirit and praying in the Spirit, and, you know, God's changed his life. But, but he lays his hands on him, but it doesn't stop there. He baptizes him. Can you imagine... And, and, and I know this is probably not the right words, but I'm going to use it anyway. Can you imagine the bragging rights of Ananias for all eternity? It was unquestionably, unquestionably the most significant thing he did with his entire life to serve the Lord. Now, again, I don't want to minimize small acts of service, but I want to tell you if Ananias could have said no, but he didn't. When he served the Lord, there was a risk but on the other side of his risk was something monumental. Sometimes serving the Lord, opening your mouth could cost you your job. It could cost you a circle of friends, but you never know what that seed planted down the road is going to do. Listen, if the Holy Spirit says go, how many will say, Pastor, I'm willing to go with him. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. I'm going to close with this. Christians serve the Lord as the need or opportunity presents himself. Uh... How many, when you're driving, stop at green lights? Let me see your hand. Really? No, you're changing your mind. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. Okay. Okay. Most people not only don't stop at green lights, which you shouldn't, they don't stop at yellow and sometimes not at red, okay? But red does mean stop. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why not live our Christian life like we drive our car? Didn't Jesus already tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Why not, when every opportunity presents itself, why not we do this? God, I'm going unless you stop me. Well, what most of us, including me, so often do, oh, God, if it is indeed thy divine will for me to open my mouth, I will talk to my neighbor of 20 years. Lord, if it's your will that he might hear the gospel, if it comes through me, what, what's the worst that can happen if you go? Well, every once in a while you get a ticket, okay? Are you, are you with me? Every once in a while it doesn't work out. But here's what I want you to see. If there's a need or an opportunity and you can do something, then do something. Acts 9.36, there's a simple believer. Her name is Dorcas. She had died, but this is the story around her life. She was always, say it with me, always. always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Well, after she died, the room was filled with widows. They're weeping and showing Peter the coats and clothes Dorcas had made for them. What am I saying? You, you don't have to be in vocational ministry. You don't have to quit your job like Penny. You just have to be willing to do, use what God gave you to help as needs arise. We have a group in our church of ladies that crochet and knit and that kind of stuff. I couldn't be a part of that any more than I could fly off, off a roof. But they love it. But guess what kind of things they do? Well, they eat. And I try to visit when they eat. But there was a time when they were making hats, chemo hats, for women that had gone through chemo and had lost all their hair. 
and had spent all their money and were ashamed to come out in public. Now they make blankets. When Linnell travels to uh, Mexico, to the poorest of the poor, they bring blankets for people that may only have one blanket or none to sleep on. It's like they took a passion, a hobby, something they enjoy doing, and they found a way to put their finger towards heaven. And, and this is what I'm saying. Don't ever think you're not educated enough or not this or not that. Just use what God has given you. You know, it only takes a dollar a day. No, 30 cents, a, 30 cents a meal to feed a child in Haiti at some of their Bible schools. You put a dollar in the Haiti deal or take the little globe home with you, your change makes a difference in somebody's life. That globe we put dollars in, you just don't have a Coke one day. And that will end up buying a Bible from somewhere in the third world. We just sent $2,000 to buy Bibles with a, 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 a ministry that's going to put study Bibles in the hand of pastors in the underground church that most of which don't even have Bibles. See, so it's not how much or do or how big I am. It's using what I have to the glory of God. Amen? Let me, let me, let me close with this. I want to show you a picture here of, of something that our church does and a couple guys. Over here, if you see, this is a water well. Well, it's not just any water well, but it's been dedicated to central Mexico. And for a number of years, we've been joining with, it's a partner that we have down there, and we've been sending one, two, three teams a year, and they'll go down and dig water wells. Well, for us, water is just turning on a tap. But for many people of the world, they drink water out of a pond. They drink water out of the same ditch they bathe in. And unclean or impure water is one of the greatest causes of disease in the world and greatest causes of death. Well, we've been going down with them, and we just had a trip in December, and these two guys went. Peter Corcoran, Peter's an attorney. He's a single dad. Uh, he's busy. He loves his kids. Joe Lippian, Joe's semi-retired, but you can't tell it. Anytime a need comes up, he's right there. These men bought their own airplane ticket, went down there, and served people that they'll never see again, that they didn't know, that they didn't get anything from. They simply went in the name of the Lord. Because Jesus said in Matthew 25, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Listen, I don't know about you, but with these guys, there's goers, but guess what? There's prayers. How many prayed for them on their trip? Let's see, let's see your hand. Yeah, about a dozen of us prayed. Well, how many people support the church financially? Because if that's you, we take 13% of that, put it in an outreach fund, and wrote a check for $3,500 so they could dig four water wells. This is what the people of God do. We serve the Lord. Sometimes it's digging a water well. Sometimes it's standing behind a pulpit. Sometimes it's teaching a child upstairs. Sometimes it's getting up in the middle of the night praying for someone that they don't even know you're praying for. I want to tell you, friends, our prayers make a difference. Our service makes a difference. It's the difference between success and significance. Because people who invest their life in significance will hear from Jesus, well done, come on, good and faithful servant. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm really glad you came today. Next week we'll continue this. And I'm going to talk about risk takers next week about this idea of significance. But let me ask you to do this. Refocus on me just a second. Forget about Cracker Barrel and anywhere else that's on the horizon. I want to ask you this question. In 2018, was your life more about personal success or was it more about kingdom significance? You can't do anything about it. I can't go back 
Even if I tried, I couldn't change my Christmas giving. But there's a new year in front of me. Here's my question. What do you want 2019 to be? I'm going to ask you if you will make a commitment that only you will monitor. But if you will find a regular place to serve the Lord. See, because here's something that you and I have no control over. Or minimal control over. We don't know. We don't know how long we're going to be able to. Right now, my wife and, and I to a degree, but we're carrying the burden of her aging mother. I was in California 10 years. Thank God I'm not there now. But uh, I was there 10 years after I got out of the Navy. And I was trained in ministry under my wife's mom and dad. And her mom was as sharp as a tack. She could straighten things out. You just let her glance at a map and she could drive you all over San Francisco. I mean, you know, she could straighten a room out, straighten people out. She could do it all. But now she's in her 80s and she's at our home over Thanksgiving and not sure which door was the bathroom. I may think there's never, there's never enough time to find significance. If you're in high school or college, boy, you got to get your career going. Then you'll serve the Lord. No, because when you get your degree, then you got to get established in the world. You got to go, you got to get a car and a house and a TV, and then you get married. Well, then you got to give attention to your spouse. And then you have kids, and Lord have mercy, the next 20 years, you really, you know, got to stretch life. So I'll serve the Lord when the kids are gone. You never know, friends. Could we just resolve today? I'm going to find something that I do regularly and consistently as I go in this new year to serve the Lord. And could we resolve this as well? Holy Spirit, we want you to speak to us because we want to be able to do those things that are not on the calendar but are divine encounters. And then lastly, could we just be like Dorcas? When we see needs, when we see opportunities, we simply use our gifts because Jesus said go. They're going to just play soft in the background, but I want to pray over this. But as I pray, I want to give opportunity to open the altar to Christians that really might like to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I want significance in my life. And I want to commit myself afresh that I'm going to serve you in this new year. If that's you, I want you to just slip out of your chair. You just want to renew a commitment to the Lord. Just come slip out of your chair and stand around the altar. We've got a place for a lot of people. And just say, Lord, I, I, I want my life to make a difference. As you're coming to the altar, you're saying, Lord, I don't want worldliness to control my life. Come on, you just come as we're praying. Lord, I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to hide my talent in the ground. I want my life to make a difference. Why don't you just say, Lord, I, I want to hear the Holy Spirit like Ananias did. Lord, I don't want to go back to where I was, but I want, to, I want to be what you want me to be in this new year. Come on, let's all reach out to heaven now, wherever we are, and just say, Lord, will you help us? I've told myself this many times, but it just seems like the world catches me up, or I get tired, or there's a long list of things. But Lord, I've got life in front of me, and I've got ability, and I've got time, and I've got resources and talent. Help me, Lord, to use them for your glory. And I just give you the right, God, to use my life like a blank piece of paper. And you just tell me what you want me to do. And I want to do it. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us today.
Let us not just have willpower. Let us have spirit power. Once you reach out to heaven, many, we, we need to ask you, Lord, to forgive us for the life we've wasted. Forgive us, God, for the hours of wasted time. Forgive us, Lord, for the seasons of life where we buried our talent. Today we're digging it up and we're receiving forgiveness and going forward into new life. Now, you that are around the altar, you just linger here and you just pray just a second. Actually, any of our prayer team that's here, you might like to just slip out of your chair and come up and lay your hand on them briefly. But I'm going to speak to you that are in the congregation today and I want to ask you this question or perhaps identify with your heart. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, my deal is not serving the Lord. I, I just need to get right with God. I've not been living for God. Listen, I'm thrilled you're in church today, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is by surrendering your life to Christ, by, by asking to Him to, to forgive your sins and committing to follow Him. The Bible calls it being born again, being saved. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you feel the weightiness of your sin in your life. Thank God for that. Because that's what points us to the need for a Savior. It points us to the cross. Jesus can forgive you. We'd like to pray for you today. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I, I, I'm here on this new year because there's something missing in my life. I've tasted success. I know what it is on the job and relationships and money and all that, but something's still missing. Friend, what's missing is a real relationship with God. And it starts by humbling yourself. By we willing to ask for God's forgiveness and committing to follow Him. So as we begin to sing this last song, our prayer team's going to move through the altar. If you need prayer, you come on up. But most importantly, if you need to get your life right with God, and you don't want to wait another day. Maybe you're here and you used to walk with God and you just lost it. And you want to recommit to Christ. We'll see you at the cross. That's where commitment happens. And I promise you, it'll change your life. Go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach. Is he singing? We're praying. If you need to get right, your life right with God, one of our pastors will meet you at the cross. I love you and thanks for coming today.